0: This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League
1: covered. Hello and welcome along. It is We Are Going Up episode 119. I'm Mark Crossley. David Cameron Walker is here. Hello, Mark. Hello, David. David and Carl is here. Hello, Mark. Um, and I thought I'd start with... Um, tell us about your five-a-side games being filmed.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. A wonderful uh, innovation from Power League Watford... They have. There's a camera. The the forefront of CCTV security camera in the the corner of the pitch. Um, (laughs) Sure is just for security reasons. Actually, doubles up as um, it just records the game and they and they upload it to YouTube straight after. So when you're home, they send you a little email and then you can watch your whole game back and analyze yourself. Well, you say it was quite helpful actually because even at five-a-side level, you you see little things that you do and things you could do better. But the thing that strikes you immediately, as soon as you watch it. I mean, whenever you see yourself playing football and you play at such a pathetically low level as as I do, is just how staggeringly slow the game is. (laughs) When you're playing and you're running around that five-a-side pitch, in your head, you think, I am sprinting. I am running down this touchline like Gareth Bale at full pelt and then you look and the the game I'm just standing still and uh you got hit in the face did you I did go absolutely <laughs> smacked in the face by a, a teammate's shot right in the mouth and on the nose full on if, if this camera was ultra HD and could pause it would be like that famous uh, Andy Griffin not Andy Griffin what's the other uh, Andy O'Brien
1: shot you know the one where yeah. his nose completely yeah, yeah, yeah. goes yeah. back into his head do we have Martin Taylor and Alan Smith on commentary that's not what, yet that's what I want to know so it's I think they
3: might need to up the match feed a little bit more can we, bit case. can we tweet the up not playing more than six pound a game
1: <laughs> we'll tweet the link to that uh, coming yeah. up later in the show uh, this week we're going to be looking back on another uh, pack few days in the Football League and we'll be looking forward to this weekend when uh, three Football League sides will attempt to reach the hallowed turf of Wembley and an FA Cup semi-final one man who has been to a staggering 13 FA Cup ties already this season starting way back on Saturday August the 17th in the extra preliminary round is Coventry fan Mark Lloyd a member of Three Guys One Cup an epic FA Cup quest to put the romanticism and the fun back into Saturday afternoons. Mark will be on later to tell us about the journey, all the teams he's seen, and to look forward to the game he'll be at this Sunday, Sheffield United against Charlton at Bramall Lane. Uh, But first, we're going to start the show this week by focusing on Plymouth Argyle. As you can see from the title of the show, the Pilgrims are on a little bit of a playoff push. John Sheridan's side won 5-0 against Morecambe at Home Park on Saturday to make it three straight wins and 11 goals scored uh, since that home defeat to York, uh, which we talked about a few weeks ago on the show they're now just two points below Southend in 8th place and are dreaming of a potential promotion if they can finish the season strongly all this only a couple of years after the club came uh, close to financial meltdown as we talked about many times on this show one man who follows Plymouth every week is Chris Errington Chris is the chief football writer for the Plymouth Herald and he was there at the game on Saturday and we're pleased to say Chris is on the line right now Chris a 5-0 win against Morecambe was it as convincing as the scoreline would suggest
2: um, it probably was uh, in the end. It was it was two nil at half time, and, and Argyle were well in control. Morecambe had a little bit of possession at the start of the second half, and um, maybe if they'd had a bit more of a cutting edge about their play, they might have been able to get their way back into it. But Argyle did finish the game very strongly, three goals in the last fifteen minutes. Good value for the victory and. Uh, I did see um, Jim Bentley, the, the Morecambe manager afterwards, and he was very complimentary about the way Argyle had played and um, didn't really have too many complaints about the scoreline, I don't think.
3: Obviously, this follows on from a fantastic win last week against Fleetwood, who are one of the teams right up there at the top end of the division. a uh, week before that, he beat Dagenham and Redbridge away from home, but the week before that, he got battered at home park 4-0 by York. So what's happened really in the last few weeks to provoke this uh, spectacular turnaround?
2: Well, I suppose that's the beauty of football, though, isn't it? You know, How do you go from losing 4-0 at home to York to uh, winning 4-0 at Fleetwood um, a few days later? It's amazing, isn't it? The York game um, was a bit of a perfect storm um, for Argyle. They had um, Neil Trotman sent off for denying a goal-scoring opportunity. York scored the resulting penalty and took the lead in the 12th minute, and, and Argyle were 10 men for the rest of the game, and York scored a couple of goals late on, a bit like Argyle did against um, uh, Morecambe on Saturday, And you you could argue that 4-0 was a little bit flattering and the circumstances were against them. But nevertheless, it was a heavy defeat. And uh, I remember after that game, everyone at Home Park was very depressed and demoralised and looking towards the bottom of the table. Uh, They went to Dagenham the following Saturday, needed a reaction John Sheridan, the manager, said he was confident of a reaction and he he got just that. He made four changes, changed the formation, which has been the big difference, I think, in the last few games. They went to a 3-5-2 formation instead of playing a a normal 4-4-2. They ground out a 2-1 win against Dagenham. It wasn't particularly pretty, but it was a good, effective win, at a, um, a difficult ground to go to. And then up at Fleetwood, they played the same formation and uh, and they played the best football I've seen an Argyle team play for, for a long, long time. They played some really good football, were dangerous on the counter-attack, scored the four goals. And I think they just took so much confidence from that and then they scored an early goal on Saturday and away they
0: went. Chris, what sort of squad has John Sheridan got to work with at the moment? Those of us who don't see him week in, week out, will still be fully aware of the troubles the uh, team have had over the recent years. So has the squad become more settled now? And in turn, has John Sheridan been able to bring in a start of play, which is quite entertaining on the eye?
2: It's, it's taken him a while. He, he came in in January 2013, and the job was to keep Argyle in the Football League. And it was pretty much, you know, however you could achieve that, that was, it didn't really matter as long as that was achieved. Um, and he, he, he did that. He brought in, I think it was about eight or nine players in the summer and tried to put his own mark on the team and, and to get them playing the way that he would want. I suppose it wasn't totally surprising that they were a bit slow to adjust the new team, lots of new players. And the early part of the season, they did struggle. And, you know, they were mid-table, lower mid-table, and it didn't really look as though they were going anywhere. They made a couple of decent signings in January just to sort of pep the squad up a bit and um things just seem to have clicked in the last, you know, few weeks. It's it's amazing what confidence and a few goals does for a team and uh, you know, they'd struggled for goals all season. I think they've been the lowest scorers in League Two for most of the season and that's why it's so surprising and so pleasing that they've got the 11th in the last
1: three games. Well, looking at the table, I mean, for quite a considerable part of this season, the uh, the top seven was looking like a close shot, really, because yeah. uh, mm. uh, Southend, who were at the bottom of that seven, were, were so far ahead of the pack. However, they've uh, not won in nine games now. And uh, there's a few teams, including Newport, who've obviously got games in hand, Hartlepool, Plymouth hot on their heels. Yeah,
2: yeah. Do you, here, uh, yeah, yeah. Though, right? do you yeah. think
1: um, Do you think Plymouth, you know, is it a realistic ambition now to get into the playoffs?
2: Well, you know, I don't want to tempt fate, but I mean, if you can go to Fleetwood and win four nil and play as well as they did, I, I don't see why not. Um, they're going to have to finish the season strongly. You know, make no mistake about that. They, you know, they're going to have to carry on playing like they have been. But they've hit their stride uh, at just the right time, and I think all football fans know that there's normally at least one team that gets in the playoff that sort of comes from nowhere, makes a good run. Gets in the playoff positions, and then when they do get there, then they're really dangerous, aren't they? Because they're used to winning, they're full of confidence, mm. and they've got that momentum. And, um, you know, John Sheridan, I, I've lost count of how many times he said it in recent weeks, you know, there's always one team that makes a late run, why can't it be us? And, and at the moment, you know, the last week, 10 days, you'd struggle to argue with that.
3: Uh, one of the real success stories of Plymouth's season so far has been the form of Reuben Reid. Mm who uh, has returned to the club after starting his, uh, his career at Plymouth back in 2006. He's had 11 different clubs and various loan spells and permanent deals. Uh, once scaling the heights right up, the, he joined West Brom in quite a high-profile transfer. as kind of the high point of his career, but it never really kicked on for him at the uh, higher level. But he scored 16 goals in all comps this season, which is yeah. his best season for quite some time. So he seems to be settled uh, back down in the West Country.
2: Yeah, I think that's one part of it. Um, definitely that he's he's back in a, an area that he's familiar with. He's from Bristol, but you know, as you say, he started his career at Argyle. He was in the youth team, came up through the ranks. Tony Pulis was the one that gave him his debut for, for Argyle when he was 17, I think it was. He's always had lots of natural ability, but clearly managers, and more than one of them, have found it difficult to, to get the best out of him. And as you rightly say, 11 clubs, and uh, he's been here, there, and everywhere... John Sheridan does seem to have uh, found the knack of getting the best out of Ruben. He did have a loan spell uh, with Argyle at the end of last season, and he only got two goals in 17, 18 games. And he played him regularly, but he wasn't exactly pulling up any trees. And at the start of this season, he came back on a season-long loan from Yeovil Town. And um, I think it was up until middle of November time, he was on three goals, and people were saying, "What well, he's playing every week, and he's not scoring. What's going on?" Strikers are judged on goals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then he he got a hat trick in an FA Cup first round replay against Lincoln City. Argyle won it five nil. And um, again, I suppose it's that magic word confidence again. And uh, he's really not looked back since. And uh, as you say, he's on 16, and he struck up an excellent partnership with Louis Alessandro, who was a another summer signing. And he got two against his old club Morecambe on Saturday, and that's put him on 12. So there you go. Reid on 16, Alessandro on 12. 28 between them, you know, that makes all the difference.
3: Well, I was going to ask about Alessandra. He has uh, another player that's played under John Sheridan before. Yeah. Uh, played for him, um, made his his league debut uh, for Oldham Athletic when John Sheridan was in charge there. And hasn't really had a very, uh, till this season, similar to, to Reid really, hasn't really had the best time of it in terms of the the goals, where the goals are concerned as, he, as he's a striker. But Sheridan clearly thinks he's got some potential and can get the best out of him. Yeah,
2: I mean, John Sheridan clearly likes going back to players he knows you know ruben reed's one uh louis alessandra is another neil trotman the center back again played for him before he's one of these managers that likes working with players he knows um yeah alessandra i think you know his best previous season for goals was about eight or something like that and uh you know he's on 12 at the start of march and uh you know he made a bit of a slow start like the team but he's really kicked into some really good form and uh You know, the last couple of games, if you'd seen him play against Fleetwood and Morecambe, you'd say, cool, what a good player he is. You know, scoring goals, creating goals, being a real pest around the opposition centre-backs. Yeah, and he's come on really well. It's, um, like I say, you know, the the two of them seem to have hit it off really well and... uh, you know, it, that's only been for the benefit of our guy.
1: Another player who's attracted a bit of attention is uh, Ben Perrington, mm-hmm. who is, uh, get this right, he's, uh, he's the nephew yep. of Richard Hill who played in the England rugby team when they won the World Cup in 2003. Right. Yep. Uh, he's only 17, I believe, mm-hmm. um, but he's been linked to uh, to big things. Are, are you seeing the, the makings of a player that could go on to play a lot higher in the Football League?
2: He's done very well in the time he's been in the team. He's played about 12 games, made his debut on Boxing Day in a 3-2 win at Oxford United. Who at the time were were flying high in League Two and were really on a good form, and uh, he had an excellent debut, and he he stayed in the team pretty much ever since, up until the uh, the Dagenham game uh, a couple of weeks ago, when um, Matt Parsons, who was one of the the players that John Sheridan brought in in January, two two he brought in from Crystal Palace, Matt Parsons and Jason Banton, and uh, when he switched to the three five two formation. He, uh, he decided to go with Matt Parsons as a wing-back rather than Ben, who's more of an orthodox left-back sort of thing. So it wasn't anything that, that Ben had done. I just think Matt Parsons was a better fit for the three five two. And, and Parsons has played the last three games and Ben parrington has been on the bench. But as, as you say, he's, he's only 17. I don't think he's 18 till the summertime. And, um, you know, Argyle, over the recent years, they've had some good young players come up through the ranks. Unfortunately, because of the problems the club have had, they've lost a lot of their better players. I mean, the England under-19 squad has got um, Sam Gallagher, the Southampton striker, and Christian Walton, the Brighton, uh, and Hove Albion goalkeeper. Both were good young prospects at Argyle and and were sold. And uh, Lloyd-Jones who's very highly rated at Liverpool, big centre-back. Again, he was another one that's come up through the ranks. Was sold uh, during Argyle's struggles, and uh, Ben Parrington is just the latest one to come off that sort of uh, youth production
0: line. Chris, I did want to ask you about that actually. Um, perhaps the over reliance on youth for obvious reasons, perhaps, which could, of course, bring about negativity in terms of inexperience yeah. come the last quarter of a season when you're, you're doing so well. Have the squad been able to bring in some older people? I mean, Ruben Reed has been around, around the mm-hmm. block once or twice, but he's only 25. Yes, yeah. he's so a journeyman he's, at 25, yes, yeah, which is a worrying state of affairs. But are there <laughs> the heads there which can help you know, calm these young players like Ben Perrington at this time of year?
2: Well I mean the, the, the last three games have been a great example of that uh, with um, Paul Watton a uh, long time Argyle player captain he's in his uh, second spell now 36 years old um, although he'd probably tell he's 36 years young but 482 appearances for the club was at the club in the good times when Paul Starrett was a manager and they, they rose up from the bottom division up into the championship He has not really played very much at all this season, but he's come in for the last three games playing in a sort of holding role between the defence and the midfield. And you can just see his experience and his leadership out there. Very vocal on the pitch. Been there, done it, got the T-shirt, you know, reads the play well. A couple of people have almost likened it to having a manager out on the pitch sort of thing and the way he he reads the games and uh, I, I do think one of the reasons and it's not just the only reason but one of the reasons Argyle have done so well in the last three games is because they've got that, that role model that focal point in the team and um, so yes I think he could have an important part to play in the rest of the season.
3: I wish you to buy Paul Watton on Championship Manager <laughs> excellent free kicks and penalties and really he, good, I really what, good
2: shot. Got, I've seen uh, all of Paul's career pretty much and uh, i tell you what, in his pomp, when he could strike a ball yeah. like, uh, as good as anyone. I don't care who you're talking about uh, and anyone that's been to home park and seen Paul what and play. If, if Argyle get a free kick within about 45 yards, June. the Liverpool end of shouting
3: shoot. <laughs> yeah. Chris, I just wanted to ask, um, obviously it's going pretty well at the moment on the pitch, but we can't um, talk to you without speaking about things off the pitch, really, because in, in the first sort of season we did this podcast, Plymouth were on quite a lot we were talking about Peter <laughs> Reid having to pay the electricity yeah, yeah. bill and yeah, yeah. you know and, and at some stage you know it really did look like there was a real danger of, of Plymouth Argyle you know ceasing, ceasing to exist yeah. at, at one stage they it got, it got that desperate but as is often the case the club was saved at the last minute and you know it seems to be a lot more stable now as Carl mentioned earlier on but what is the, the exact picture off the pitch now How how far have the club moved on from those desperate times?
2: Uh, they were desperate times. I mean, lots of clubs have ended up in administration, unfortunately. I think what made Argyle's unique or very different, as far as I'm aware, is that the players and the staff that worked at the club didn't get paid their wages. And that was really eye-opening, the sacrifices the players and the staff made. Because if they had effectively walked away, there would have been no Plymouth Argyle. It wouldn't have mattered, you know, what happened Elsewhere, if the players and staff had just said, "Look, we've had enough. We're not we're not going to do it anymore," there wouldn't have been a Plymouth Argyle anymore. So they take a lot of, um, you know, credit for that. They're, they're certainly not out of the um, real difficulties. They've obviously got to repay football creditors, so it's ex-players and things like that. So they're still paying off, you know, money owed to, to previous uh, employees. Um, you know, they they get good gates. You know, they're averaging seven thousand in League Two this season. But, you know, it's a bit um, difficult to to make ends meet. So they're better than they were, but they're not, you know, flushed by any stretch of the imagination. And probably like most clubs in the lower divisions, they're always looking to to try and get in as much money as they possibly can from all sorts of sources.
1: Uh, Chris, you're a man who's obviously watched quite a lot of League Two football uh, over the years and this season in particular. Just out of interest, who do you think is the best side in, in League Two? Watch that. Okay. Rochdale,
2: so no. I, we, we, you
1: didn't we, want to hear that, did you, Mark? I support Berry, sorry <laughs> do, to. Uh, I do apologise. <laughs> I
2: thought Berry were quite good as well.
1: Uh, Rochdale are in third, Scunthorpe yeah. second, Chesterfield yeah. first. Um, how do you see the, uh, the promotion running going, and how do you see Plymouth running? Because the next couple of games are quite important, because obviously, games in hand or a game in hand, Bristol Rovers yeah. away and uh, Wickham away, two teams that are down the, the bottom end. Yeah,
2: um, I was really impressed with Rochdale when Argyle uh, lost 3 0 up there uh, in January. one of only two defeats since uh, the middle of December I just like the way that Rochdale play their football Um, Keith Hill you know it was quite an uncompromising centre-back but he doesn't half like his team's playing good football and I just think it just proves you can play good football in league two and be successful he he did it before in his previous spell at Rochdale as long as they keep um, Hogan switched on and and everything's going well with him he, he can score the goals for them and I, I, I was really impressed with them. I, I, I think you know, it would be good for football if Rochdale if, if uh, went up and, and maybe even won the title. Argyle-wise, they've, um, they've got Bristol Rovers and uh, Wickham away coming up. Um, so those are, are two you know not easy games, but you know, games that they'd like to think they could get points from. And then I think the, the, the crunch period comes then where they've got two home games in four days, one against Scunthorpe United, and then one against Chesterfield four days later, so i.e. the top Oof. two at the moment. Um be fascinating to see how they get on in those two games. If those two games went well, I think confidence would be soaring through the roof and, and who knows what could happen. If they have a little bit of sort of setback in those two games you know then it'll be how they respond to that as to where they finish in the
1: season so uh, a few weeks ago we had uh, Chris Phillips come on to talk to us about Southend um, yeah. who were going great guns at that point they've not won a single game in their yeah. last nine games since so yeah. if it all goes wrong from this point it's my fault <laughs> not <isn't> it <laughs> we're not taking any blame for it is what I'm saying <laughs> uh, Chris enjoy the rest of the season thanks very much for, uh, yeah, for coming pleasure, on no problem that is uh, Chris Arrington <laughs> chief football writer for the Plymouth Herald and now it is time for something a little bit different because uh, ahead of FA Cup quarter final weekend we are going to focus on the FA Cup with a man who's been to a tie every single round of the competition so far this season Just eight sides remain then in the world's most famous cup competition. The FA Cup uh, once again takes centre stage this weekend with three Football League sides still going strong and dreaming of glory. We've got Wigan Athletic, the holders. We're making a hell of a defence of this, although they do go to Manchester City on a Sunday afternoon in a repeat of last year's final. Before that, on Sunday lunchtime, it's the clash which confirms at least one Football League club will go to Wembley for a semi-final. Uh, Sheffield United against Charlton Athletic. Not really the tie I don't think that most neutrals wanted, uh, but a great chance for both to maybe just maybe get their hands on that treasured prize of the FA Cup at Wembley in May. One man who has been to 13 FA Cup ties this season. A hell of a lot more than Uh, most other people I would think starting way back on August the 17th in the extra preliminary round Quorn versus Holmberg Sports big game Um, in the preliminary round for the first qualifying round is Coventry fan Mark Lloyd who is a member of Three Guys One Cup an epic FA Cup quest and Mark will be there at Bramall Lane on Sunday and we're pleased to say he's on the phone uh, right now to explain more about this Mark thank you very much for coming on the show firstly tell us how on earth this whole idea came about in the, uh, uh, to begin with,
4: uh, well, you know, we just sort of sitting down the pub one day, and it's one of those ideas that comes up, and you, it's one of those sort of things where I guess it just materialised rather than just most things that seem uh, pipe dreams and just chat. And then you know, we thought actually let's let's do this. It sounds quite fun, quite exciting. And then we thought let's get a website up and keep us motivated, keep us going through the <laughs> Tuesday night replays in Lincoln <laughs> and all those sort of things we anticipated. And um, yeah, I guess there's a bit of it as well. We'd all become a bit disillusioned with uh, the football clubs we supported and going to big games and especially me as being a Coventry City fan I think anyone can relate to, relate to what, what's going on in my club at the minute so it just seems a you know, good idea to get the, the magic back into the FA Cup and find a bit of love for football again this season and hopefully take a few people on the journey with us
3: I mean it's incredible to think that the, the FA Cup starts in August really um, Yeah uh, and you really have Plumbed the depths <laughs> of British football right down the bottom of the pyramid. Quorn FC, and they are honestly a team I've never heard of before. I mean, is that a place, Quorn, or is it yeah, is it a yeah. tie-in with the the uh, <laughs> sausages? no, it's not
0: actually.
4: They don't even sponsor them, which I, I think they should. It'd Missed opportunity. opportunity, exactly. Yeah, no, it's a it's quite you know one of those little uh, little villages around Leicestershire that's quite affluent. But the club itself has got a bit of money, actually. They've got a nice clubhouse and stuff. But, yeah, so, yeah, Corn is an actual place. Most people I tell tell us about I think I'm making it up as well. But, yeah, just start right down in the depths of football, and we've been, you know, just, just some just some really, really minnow teams.
3: Holbrook Sports, we well, you know you're an amateur side and you've got <laughs> sports in your, you But a 5-1 f- uh, thumping victory for Corn in, in the first game, a great way to start.
4: Yeah, it was a good game, actually. We um quite excited. a lot of goals, and from that, we built a bit of a rapport with the lads who play down at Corn because we were you know, tweeting during the game and they sort of picked up on it straight away. So um, we still talk to them quite a bit, you know, about how we're getting on and w- what could have been for corner seats that they've uh, carried on winning.
1: <laughs> so you followed them into the uh, preliminary first round. Uh, which yep. was away? At, is it? Is it Basford? Basford?
4: Basford United. Yeah, okay. we went to into a replay. Um, we were there. We had first our first replay. So, could the three guys, one cup, cut it on a cold Tuesday night <laughs> in corn? <Kwan>, the <was> questions <laughs> everyone was asking. But um, no, it was, it was a good game. It went all the way to extra time penalties. Uh, the Basford United keeper was bloody annoyed about that. He just. Audibly to be said, uh, I just want to go home. Um, (laughs) uh, That was a good good game. Sounds like it's
0: uh, been better than some of the itv 4 FA Cup replays that have been shown, so maybe they should have televised that one.
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there was at one point I've seen that game where them. Someone in the clubhouse had put uh, Holby City on the TV, and that uh, visibly divided the crowd, with about 30, 40% <laughs> going into the sports TV instead.
1: Okay, so uh, let's follow this through. So uh, Baseford went through on penalties in that. Uh, then they went to, uh, or they hosted Matlock Town in the first qualifying round? And uh, yeah, you followed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matlock won that, and then you you went to Carlton in the next round.
4: Carlton, yeah. I mean, the Matlock Basford game was pretty interesting as well, because we, you know, we Matlock. I don't know if, uh, how many of your listeners know your. Your lower league pyramids, but Matlock are a good couple of leaders from Basford United. So we thought, you know, it's got to be a bit of a trouncing. But Basford turned up, you know, went at Matlock and a couple of pacey wingers and you know, you know, causing some trouble. But yeah, Matlock went on to win and then went on to Carlton, where they where they did lose actually to someone in the league below them. So,
3: so uh, at this point, I'm going to dispense with talking about the lower league football and focus (laughs) on your. um, the cup cuisine, uh, which I've been enjoying <laughs> reading about on, on the web. excellent website, I must add as well. Um, Thanks you, very you've much, had yeah. uh, you've, you've really experienced some culinary delights on your on your travels this season, haven't you? What, oh, what's yeah, the, what's the, the, pretty been pretty the pretty finest, good, the yeah. pick of the bunch? It's weird that you
4: talk about this. Actually, we were on um, Colin Murray's talk sport show last week and. This was all he wanted to talk about. It was really strange. He, <laughs> nah. kept, he was like, so Mark, you're doing a whole food thing around with the FA Cup? And I was like, no, it's not just about food, Colin. It's more <laughs> than that. It's pretty annoying. But yeah, you know, when, I think the uh, Balti Pie at Hillsborough has actually been really good. Just a recent one. That was a, that was a pretty good one. Uh, I think there was a um, pretty good Twix we had down at Matlock Town. Twix. The that was quite <laughs> nice. Yeah, pretty good Twix for your share. The
3: worst, the worst bit of food?
4: There's a bit of food? Oh, there was a, a game at Carlton Town where I just ordered, a, ordered a, a nice big plate of chips with mayo, and I thought oh, this will go down well. Just what I need right now. And there was a big part of what I thought was salt next to the, um, next to the lady giving out the chips. So I was like, yeah, I'll just sprinkle a bit of that on. <laughs> About halfway through, I was like, this tastes a bit of odd. Offered it off the out to the other two of the three guys, uh, where we concluded that I'd actually put sugar on my chips instead sort of salt.
1: <laughs> good. An easy mistake to make. So l- l- let's try and uh, fly through this uh, this route. You uh, you went to uh, Carlton against uh, Vauxhall Motors. Excellent, Vauxhall Motors. Yes, they pro-
3: Lower League yes. side, proper yeah.
1: FA Cup side. So Vauxhall uh, went through. They played at Macclesfield, got hammered seven nil, and yeah, then you ended Vox, up rubbish, um, yeah. <laughs> then you, you ended up watching in the first round proper, which is obviously where most football league sides come in. Macclesfield against Swindon Carl's team here. Yeah, and Maccles- Swindon were pretty rubbish. <laughs> yeah, Macclesfield upset yeah. the odds. They did,
4: yeah. I mean, we saw Macclesfield play against. Um, Vauxhall Motors, and they blew it away. You know, they, 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 they get the ball down and play it really well on the on the on the ground. And I think when teams put them under pressure, we saw them struggle. But you know, Vauxhall definitely didn't do that, and Swindon didn't do that either. And <laughs> you know, never, Swindon didn't like they're in the game to be honest. Especially having been two leagues above them, yeah, no chance. But um, yeah, Vauxhall. When we went to that game, one of the lads had put a bet on Matlock to win six nil, and I spent the whole day tearing into him about why he'd put that on. What a waste of money it was. And then when, it, when they went 7-0 up, <laughs> that's when that's when Matlock uh, that decided to just sit at the back and just stroke it around the back four. Ha, Much to my Larry.
0: Have you put a bet on every game you've been to? Could you put a bet on Corn versus Holbrook Sports? I'm sure most betting websites would have probably had some kind of on, three, six, five on the bet 365. Yeah, be on bet 365 on the betting in play. Have you been able to... Have you bet on most of these games, or is it just something that's coming in the later games?
4: Yeah, I think um, most of the games we, we managed to put a bet on. I remember going into... Um, to Labrook's actually one of the early games I think it might have been Carlton Matlock and uh, putting a, put a 3-0 win on Matlock uh, to win and got in a pretty funny look from, from the <laughs> woman who looked, looked here, worked in Leicester Ladbrokes <laughs> I've never been there either myself but, uh, so, but yeah I think most of the games have been down Breaking I, I, I I news <laughs> betting yeah. on
1: Carlton
3: Matlock has been suspended to unusual <laughs> betting patterns of what one bet um,
1: Mark you've, um, you've been uh, you've been sort of basically following Sheffield Wednesday haven't you for quite a, a while in this competition well, just, you,
3: before you get to that, you've seen Macclesfield five times including the re- replay so you must have been a bit disappointed to see them go out did you develop any sort of affection for them
4: Oh, uh, you think that? But I <laughs> to, no. go, to be honest, I was sick of going all the way up to Macclesfield every week. <laughs> we did this. Um, we did this sort of going into it, thinking, "Oh, this could be awful." You know, one week we could be up in Carlisle, then down at Plymouth, all over the country, racking up miles and miles and miles, or worse, we could just end up going to Macclesfield every week. Who knows? Uh,
1: so uh, yeah, so Macclesfield went out to Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, in the replay at Hillsborough, and then Sheffield Wednesday won at Rochdale, and uh, then they went into the game against uh, who were they playing last week? I forgot. Charlton. Charlton, Charlton, Charlton
4: wasn't Charlton, it? Charlton. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, so you were at that game uh, last week, and um, were you secretly hoping for a Sheffield derby in the in the quarter final?
4: Oh, nothing really. Well, I was quite a secretly hoping for one, yeah, because I had to get the Charlton fan away bus from London <laughs> to get to the game in time. So I left at like one one pm and just sat with Charlton fans the whole way, not really daring to mention that I wasn't a Charlton fan myself.
3: <laughs> did Left you have to sing himself? Did him you, and did you well. go over the whole hog and sing, <laughs> chant the songs and wear a scarf? Uh,
4: I did on the way back a little bit. I got up because I had a few beers and I was sort of in the mood. And then when everyone was singing, we we're all going to Wembley. I was like, go on then, Why not?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, oh, you are. Yeah. I mean, you're the
0: only Thanks person on that it. bus that can definitely say you are going to Wembley.
4: <laughs> yeah, That's what I think. I was like, I'm guaranteed. You, you luck, maybe not. <laughs> uh,
0: there's this weird anomaly, of course. You've not played a Premier League team. Yeah, we've
1: yeah, not played. Yeah. I
0: Wonderful for a Football League podcast like ourselves to have you on. Are you a little bit disappointed you've not seen a major giant killing? I suppose Macclesfield destroying Swindon's probably wow. the nearest thing <laughs> <to that. laughs> you, you seen to, to a giant <laughs> killing. say that. a little, that. Bit, a little bit upset you've not giant. seen. Yeah.
3: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Two midgets stabbing each other with blunt instruments.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
4: Sleeping giant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh,
0: but yeah, it's, it's a little coma. bit of the romance of the cup. Just missing slightly. Do you want to see a big upset still?
4: Well, you know, it was all going to plan, really. We thought, you know, the steady progression up. We didn't want to get a big team really early and then ended up seeing Man City every time, you know. But I think, similarly, you don't want lower league teams all the way up. But it's been quite nice, actually, you know. I, I think um, it's not going to happen in every season. It's really rare to get to get through the whole thing. I mean, we won't even go to a Premier League ground. We'll see mm-hmm. some Premier League teams mm-hmm. in the semis in the final, but we won't be able to go to any Premier League grounds without counting Wembley. But um, So, yeah, it's pretty rare, but it's been quite good, actually, because, you know, those lower league games and those lower league teams is what they're... Cup's all about really, about anyone can win it and anyone can get to the final, and that, that's what makes it like no other tournament, I think.
1: Who do you fancy to win on uh, Sunday?
4: Oh, I don't know, I can't like to see Sheffield United, I think. Yeah, after the 10 hour bus journey that Charlton fans put me through, <laughs> um, and uh, keeping the radio on and just keeping Chanting until about 2 a.m. when I was back, until I got back to London, I think, uh, I think I'd think i like to see them go out after that, I think. <laughs> uh, how <laughs> no, much,
0: I how much did a ticket cost to go and see Corn, by the way?
4: Corn uh, first game. I think that was four pound.
0: How much would it cost £4. to go to the uh, to the final? Uh,
4: well, it's a bit a bit of a variance. I think it's probably going to cost us about seventy five each, somewhere around
0: that. Will that be a nosebleed seat? Or are you going to? Why don't you go all out and try and get a club Wembley seat?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I might email the FA actually if you they should. can talk me out. We'll
3: start the campaign. Yeah. You should be front and centre. <laughs> you presenting the winner, the winners with the trophy. Yeah, exactly. It gets on <laughs> half time. Walk walk by, by me. Yeah. Walk, walk
1: yeah. along down the line. Um, yeah. uh, before you go, Mark, uh, we should um, uh, we should uh, talk to you a little bit about Coventry. You did mention you were a little bit disillusioned there at the uh, the, the start of the conversation. Uh, they uh, drew 0-0 with uh, Shrewsbury on Sunday, and I think they're down in thirteenth uh, now. I mean, at one stage it did look like, despite the points deduction and everything that had gone with the move. Northampton they're actually gonna have quite a good season and get into the playoffs uh, but it's kind of petered out a bit
4: yeah I think as a, as a commentary fan you know one character trait that never dies with you is a naive amount of optimism <laughs> <laughs> where you think a good run of form is a sign of consistency and maybe a good season is on the horizon but it never really materializes <laughs> and there's always something that comes along to to bugger that right up but you know I think what I was getting at earlier is just what's gone on in the club recently which I, I you know, most football fans especially probably listening to this show are familiar with is that Coventry have been taken out of their grounds, and we've been forced to play our home games in Northampton all really sort of um, disagreements that have happened between businessmen at that board level and it's quite disgusting to see a, a, on a serious note a club ripped out of its community like that so anyone listening go on, sign the petition Coventry back in the, back playing in Coventry and back at the Rico
1: and uh, if you go to threeguysonecup.co.uk you can follow and read about this uh, this story that Mark has been on uh, the two other guys you're on with who, who are they by the way
4: uh, Steve and Josh yeah so we're all living or working together up in Leicester when we started Um so yeah, we've
1: been to every game together since then. Brilliant, okay. Well, uh, enjoy Sunday mate and uh, maybe we'll catch up with you again uh, around the time of the final if there's a Football League side still in there. Thanks mate. Cheers mate, yeah. take care, thanks, that thanks is uh, uh, Mark Lloyd uh, who is a member of Three Guys One Cup and as I said, it's well worth going to that website if you can. Right now it's time for My Club, the part of the show where we give Football League fans 125 seconds to celebrate their side or to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Football League and today it is the turn of Yeovil. This is We Are Going Up. My Club in 125 seconds Hello
5: I'm Peter Bryce and my club is Yeovil
1: So Peter do you remember your first ever visit to uh, Hewish Park?
5: I do and it wasn't a great one it was the 94 season when we went down and we lost 2-1 at home to Macclesfield who ended up going up so it wasn't it wasn't the greatest start but things have sort of picked up in future years Things have
0: certainly picked up in recent years you're right Peter what's your favourite moment as a Yeovil fan?
5: Uh, as a Yeovil fan, especially living in the Midlands in Nottingham, the 2nd playoff um, mm-hmm. game against Nottingham Forest, mm-hmm. where we were 2-0 down and beat them 5-2 on the night um, in extra time, was just... Uh it's one of those unforgettable nights.
3: Of all the uh, of all the promotions that you've had over the years, it, I don't know if you've been to all of them. Can you pinpoint like a fantastic moment that you had as a Yeovil fan when, from that rise from the from the conference to where you're now in, in the championship?
5: It was probably as the moment we we uh, we actually came out of non-league football. We um, it was an evening game away at Doncaster at Bellevue, and we actually clinched promotion just before the game kicked off because the results went our way. Uh, Doncaster were our main rivals and we beat them 4-0 on the night. It was just another 90-minute party, really. It was absolutely brilliant.
1: And in terms of sort of uh, Yeovil players, I know there's probably been quite a lot of cult players that have been there as you've climbed the leagues. Is there one particular player that you've always had a soft spot for? doesn't have to be the best player. It could be someone like Lloyd Doyley at Watford for, for Davies. There is there one man who all the Yeovil fans love?
5: Right. It has to be Terry Skiverton, really. He's, just, just, he's been one of those players that was just... He was with us from non-league all the way to... Uh, all the way to League One and he's still there on the bench now every week alongside uh, Darren Way as well maybe not technically the best but just they played the best because they put their, you know, put their heart and soul into it every week
0: Peter the question that everyone's asking really is what do you make of the Football League's first ever girl group Viva Pitch <laughs> you a big fan of their work?
5: Uh, I've seen some of their work. Um, Not sure how well it went down with the Leeds fans when they made their debut on the pitch. Do
1: they do covers or have they got their own tracks?
5: Uh, They write all their own own stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a a bit of a dance number, um, but it's all in aid of a good cause.
1: Peter, your two minutes is up. Thank you very much. Thank you. My Club in 125 seconds. We are going up. We've got the Football League covered there will be yet another edition of my club next week and there needs to be quite a lot of additions to cover the 40 clubs uh, we still need to complete the set to complete the 72 uh, before the end of the season if you support one of the sides we haven't covered please can you get in touch we are going up.co.uk slash contact or tweet us at waggy podcast these are the clubs which we haven't done okay so we need fans of Accrington Barnsley Birmingham Blackpool Bolton Brighton Bristol Rovers Burton Albion Berry Carlisle No, would have been
3: better is if you'd done it each of those ones. In the correct regional accent. Group, <laughs> place they were from. Carlisle, you pick it up from there. Uh, Cheltenham, Coventry, Crawley,
0: Crewe, Dagenham and Redbridge, Derby, Doncaster, Exeter, Fleetwood, Gillingham. It goes on. Hartlepool, <laughs> Huddersfield, Leeds, Mansfield, Middlesbrough, Millwall, MK Dons, Newport, Northampton, Nottingham Forest, Notts County, Plymouth, Port Vale, Preston, Rochdale, Sheffield Wednesday, Swindon, Warsaw, Wigan and.
1: York City so that is uh, the list of 40 clubs we still need so please do get in touch if you're a fan of those clubs it's literally a two, three minute thing you come on tell us about your club and then it's done and you'll be on the show before the end of the season at Wagyu Podcast on Twitter or go to wearegoingup.co.uk slash contact let's kick off our weekend review at the top of the championship then there is going to be at least one big promotion party in the East Midlands in May you would think because after 10 years away Leicester City are surely going to be a Premier League side soon and uh, their incredible run continues in the league 11 wins in the last four 14 games. They beat Charlton 3-0 on Saturday. They are 13 points clear of third spot. They've got the best home record. They've scored 62 goals this season. They're on fire. Are you um, impressed in particular about the way he's juggled his forward options at Leicester? Because he's got a lot of players there to try and keep happy. Nugent, Vardy, Phillips, Dyer, Chris Wood and so on.
3: Yeah, well, the main two, though, are are, um, Nugent and Vardy. They're the ones who are grabbing the headlines. They're the ones who are scoring all the goals. Vardy, we've talked about, you know, fantastic improvement this season and and Pearson's been talking about, it, you know, he thinks, still thinks he's got a lot more to come from, from Vardy as he potentially mm. becomes a Premier League player next season. Nugent, not just his goals, his all round game, I think has been excellent every time I've seen him this season. But then, you know, bringing in Phillips was a, a great little bit of business for them. Comes off the bench. Even if he doesn't score goals, he's 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 involved in the play. He's got a few assists uh, and a real key, experienced head. He knows exactly what it's like to be. He's been promoted from this division a number of times, so he'll be a really good influence in the dressing room. And credit, hey, there's, credit no, there's no bad thing to say about Leicester at the moment.
1: Credit to the owners for sticking with the manager
3: as and well. Very much so, yep. uh, because we all thought that Pearson would get the you know get the boot in the summer when he failed to get them up in the playoffs, and um, we were all surprised when he stayed. And he's been a you know a model of stability, really, which is something
1: you've not been used to at Leicester City for the last few years. <laughs> Below Leicester, then, uh, this is where the real action took place at the weekend. Uh, Burnley 2, Derby 0, QPR 1, Leeds 1. Um, and those results make it very much advantage, Burnley. 13 games to go, yeah. they've got five-point cushion. Carl, albeit helped by that red card, to Chris Martin. I think the first mm. was, was for persistent fouling, yeah. and the second was for, uh, for a dive. Slipping
0: over. I mean Steve Kalyage did raise him the more you look at it you think was he tripped by Trippier but uh, thank you but uh, Chris Martin is one of those players that does get on a lot of people's nerves shall we say so uh, the infringement might be confusing him with the Coldplay front man I
3: think think it was I think it was harsh I do think it was harsh I don't think any of the fouls were yeah, the for, one, that, for, the for one, once, I think Steve Clarence got absolutely spot on on the, on, on the football league. The
1: one that I directly before the first yellow, I didn't. Yeah, think but it, was, if it was, if it's persistent foul, I, I didn't think it was a foul. I though. Exactly, I don't think they're all really bad fouls. No, um, it's a big call to send him off as well because yeah. the ball went in the back of the net as well. It, it would have been one absolutely
3: it would completely changed the game. Uh, and if you do look at the way his foot falls, whether he's deliberately planted his foot that way or not, there's absolutely no way of telling but the evidence does suggest that he did you know land awkwardly on his ankle and go down and i even think there may have been a, a slight bit of contact um so you know it, it wasn't anything like some of the terrible dives you've seen this season from from other players so i think he's been very harshly treated what a goal in that game from david jones
1: as oh, well fantastic. The, the cushion
3: left foot volley he scored one of those for for wolves i think a few years ago but where this was where someone else flicked it up from a just knocked it to him rolled it from a free kick about a yard and then he flicked it up like that and volleyed it in Mm. went in off the bar so it's sort of something he's got on his locker With this time sort of in open play but a similar sort of situation a lovely little pass from, from Ings actually and really good play from Kitely as well to not give up on the ball when it looked like um, Wisdom was going to get it, Wisdom stumbled over. You know, it was a classic example of playing to the whistle. You know, play had sort of stopped, but the referee hadn't blown up, and Kightley was straight up on the ball like a whippet and uh, put the ball into wing. So a fantastic, you know, a fantastic finish, but a good bit of team play. Well,
1: uh, they've got a big derby game coming up on Sunday. They got a Blackburn uh, Burnley. Uh, they'll probably win there if the Blackburn play like they did <laughs> in the derby game they just had at the weekend. But anyway, more on that in a bit. Uh, derby are playing uh, Millwall. Uh, QPR go to Birmingham, and if QPR can't win at Birmingham, where pretty much everyone else has won. This season, then they will be in uh, big trouble. I thought they played better against Leeds Carl, but still didn't get the three points.
0: Yeah, but Leeds were a better team. I thought actually. I mean, obviously McCormack's missed penalty. Connor Wickham had plenty of chances, and if he'd played more football this season, perhaps would have scored one or two of them. Uh, there, there was also the the excellent moment, of course, with the uh, disallowed goal in the last minute of a game. Finn Hill, you um, scored a goal to like to that finish. Before, <laughs> <isn't he? Yeah. laughs> no, of a football PA system. Playing the music at the ground, oh, yeah, which and it went on for several seconds. Played oh, resumes no. again, and it was, fans were all celebrating. Played receives It was just one of those. Oh, it's just a very embarrassing moment. I mean, with Charlie Austin out, it's going to be the playoffs, I think, yeah, isn't it? The thing, yeah. is, the thing is, Charlie Austin's only scored fourteen. I mean, you know,
3: it's not a bad but, total, but it's not like he scored twenty-five or thirty. True. So it just shows you how much overall they have struggles. The next,
0: the next one down is is Matt Phillips with three. I think I mean, it's the over-reliance on their de- you know, excellent defensive record, which has yeah. you know, started faltering. rednap
3: still saying. Uh, Fanch, I'm still Fanch, the still man still to go up yeah. and uh, I'm, you know, well, chairman they might chairman still they knows they might I'm the right man and they, at this stage of the season you'd you yeah. be, you be folly to change manager but, but I think promotion goals you film. can't see it at this stage can you um, very difficult
1: indeed. in terms of the playoffs so the team that are in sort of the most I mean if you keep Ireland the least amount of form and have got the least momentum Wigan have definitely got the most momentum mm-hmm. 4-1 win at the City Ground oh. on Saturday uh, Uwe Rosler has won 9 of his 14 games in charge And uh, I was looking at actually all the clubs he's managed, uh, Lil Viking, Mulder, Brentford and Wigan. And he's got a very good record, all of them. And it did just seem one of those appointments. He thought that's going to work. I don't know if it's because it was a foreign manager and Martinez worked there. He just thought it was a good move Mm -hmm. uh, to switch and uh, it's paying dividends. Yeah, I think he he suited the
3: Wigan squad and the Wigan mentality of recent years far better than Owen Coyle did obviously and they made the change swiftly, which I think was a good bit of you know decision making from from Dave Whelan. A few people
1: raised their eyebrows when it happened, perhaps, but he recognised it. He made a mistake. Well, didn't we say on the on the fit and proper sackings test special that that was one which didn't pass the fit and proper sackings test, but it's proved out to be the right decision. Maybe maybe it wouldn't be the first time
3: we did it, would it? But um, yeah, it turns out to be a great decision, and Rosler's really got something going there. And Gomez had an excellent game at the weekend. Wakorn as well on
1: loan there. He, he was very involved with uh, with all the goals. It's
0: a very good squad they've got there, really. Throughout the Hmm. team, And, and Rosler's admitted that they are hunting. For easily a playoff position now. I mean, it's unlikely they will get an automatic spot, but to consider they should be you know, knocking someone like Forrest out of a playoffs as well. Billy Davis admits his team are kind of hanging on for dear well, life at the moment. The number of injuries they've, they've got. They've got Andy Reid
1: out for six weeks for hernia. Jack Hobbs out for the rest of the season, which has got to be a blow because he's uh, been a very good player for them.
3: Yeah, well, Reid as well in particular. Who, who's every time I've seen, I've seen Forrest a few times on TV and I've seen them live once as well this season. And Reid was the standout player from from them each time I've seen them. You know, a model of consistency. And and Hobbs is you know we we've seen G, every time Jim's been on the on the show he, he's lyrical about how good Jack Hobbs is. Well, he was a much sought after player, in the transfer window, Forrest did very well to secure his signature permanently. Um, so yeah, big blow for them. They've got a few more injuries as well. They I mean before the the loss last weekend, uh, they had a fourteen game mm. unbeaten run. I think so. You know, the wheels have only just fallen off. And if they can recover, they're still in a decent position. But, you know, cause for concern.
1: Comical scenes at the Mideiski on uh, Saturday. Uh, Reading are now out of the playoffs after only drawing one all against eight men. Uh, Three red cards, a missed penalty and a ridiculous own goal. But um, I know they only went down to eight men in the last minute. But you kind of do need to be beating eight men if you uh, (laughs) want to go up.
0: I had a uh, mate uh, who wrote on Facebook that this game cost him an eight game accumulator. He had Reading to win. Obviously, when you can't beat eight men. Sick Yeah, The thing is, like you said, they went down to eight men late on, but
3: for a large chunk of the game, it was ten men, which should be enough when you're at home, really. Sometimes it does make it more difficult. Sometimes teams, you know, they'll fold back and they'll, they'll sit back and they'll make it very difficult for you to create chances. But you think given, you know, the length of time where they had the advantage, given the disparity between the two squads, You'd think Reading should have, you know, would have done enough mm. to win the game, and they didn't. They'll be really disappointed with that because, just like you say, we can now move up into that sixth spot, and that's a bit of a blow
1: for them mentally. Good wins for uh, Ipswich and Brighton by a goal to nil. They're keeping the pressure up. Let's have a look at the situation down the bottom. No real change in the bottom six. I think Yeovil the only side actually to get a point in the bottom six at the weekend. Uh, but three of the sides down there: Barnsley, Doncaster, and Blackpool got an absolute shellacking, as I'm going to call it. They lost fourteen nil. They lost 14-0 uh, collectively on Saturday. Uh, well played Huddersfield, Bournemouth and Watford. But big problems at those uh, clubs for Danny Wilson, Paul Dickoff and Barry Ferguson. And I suppose Barry Ferguson's got the most to be concerned about because that's 16 games without a win now.
3: Yeah, he's
1: not the permanent boss. No, no, but um, but um, they don't seem to be a point in one. He's, no, he's questioning um, whether he's the right man, isn't he? Apparently he came yeah. out to the press afterwards and sort of said, uh, you know, I've got to ask myself, am I up to it?
3: Absolutely, and I know they have spoken to um, to other people, including Neil Warnock. Um, of course, was approached was yeah. was was earlier in the season, but didn't fancy it. But he has come out, Barry Ferguson. Got after, a nice beat after the game. Enjoy it <laughs> Not quite sure. It's the same as uh, <laughs> same as Devon uh, or Cornwall, wherever he lives. But. Um, but Ferguson has questioned his own ability whether he's good enough to do the job can I motivate the players I'm not so sure he said after the game so you know if he's not confident, got confidence in himself then that isn't you know writings on the wall I'd say really for his uh, burgeoning manage, managerial career so, but the players don't look interested do they 16 games without a win they're plummeting you know it's only that excellent start they had in the first month that's
0: keeping them out of trouble but if they keep going um, they'll be in the relegation zone ra- before long Rarely when a team plummets like this they don't get out of it, it you know yeah. it, they do just get sucked into so but there are still teams below them and what is it 8 points and no charter still got a couple of games in hand oh, but it, you know it's Three unlikely they hand. would it's yeah. unlikely they'd win all of those um
1: other uh, sort of hammering that we haven't talked about was uh, Blackburn. Didn't see that one coming. Losing four 0 at Bolton, uh, their biggest derby win in eighty six years. Bolton have got a couple of wins at a very good time of the season. They played crap for uh, however many months we've had, and then they've pulled out a couple of wins to move Which them clear.
0: Is basically, what they
3: did last. Season, <laughs> yeah. last but oh well, I mean, I think you're giving them a bit too much credit, really, that they're saying that because uh, last season, remember, they were right on the cusp of the playoffs, and this season is a major, That's true. major, yeah, major disappointment. Going, they did, gonna did gonna recover from a bad start, but they recovered spectacularly and motored up the division. This season, they had a poor start, a poor middle when they're having you know slightly above average finishes things stand. So this season has
0: been a you know a real disappointment and it has to be viewed as a failure by Friedman. And I do see as well what's happened uh, this Monday evening as we record this Stuart Holden uh, has played uh, in, yeah, the, in the 21s oh game and uh, was taken off injured off the 20 minutes. And,
1: uh, uh, Middlesbrough went another game without a goal they technically Seven in a technically out. did have a goal but the linesman didn't see How oh, he missed that I have no idea. And well, though, um, but you know you know what they've done
3: interestingly I saw this earlier on. Craig Hignett has now Mm. been appointed as assistant manager to Itoh Karanka Club legend. Club legend. That might help him out a bit. I mean, they've not been battered, have they? They've had a few narrow defeats, um, but they just, you know, so defensively maybe they've they've tightened up a little bit. But they just cannot, simply cannot score um, to save their lives, Uh, and that's a real concern because I mean, they you know they they have got a few strikers there and. Well they did lose Emnes
1: and Djokovic in the in the. Danny Graham doesn't yeah. like, he, look like he can buy a goal at the moment. No. Um, Carson Young, as well, has been found guilty in Hong Kong of money laundering. We talked about Birmingham a few weeks ago. Not quite sure what that will mean just yet. Well,
3: he could if uh, the sentencing. Um, it's on Friday, isn't it? Yeah, it's on Friday. He could be sentenced to 14 years in prison but um, Birmingham have said that it won't affect us because we've already as, as we ago, we've already kind of moved in anticipation okay. of this to separate ourselves you know, from him so uh, I don't think it will have a, that much of an impact really on, on Birmingham City's
1: day to day running uh, Interleague 1 then uh, wins again for the top two of the weekend Leighton Orient beat Colchester 2-1 Wolves though top on goal difference now they beat Port Vale 3-0 uh, 7 wins in a row 5 clean sheets in a row so credit to that uh, defence Carla Comey, Scott Goldburn, Danny Bart Sam Ricketts Richard Stearman um, and Wolves very much looking like the Real deal at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, good you mentioned the defence.
3: Danny Bart and Richard Steem. And I was reading the Football League paper this weekend, and Danny Bart was in there talking about how much um, he's enjoying playing alongside Stimmen, and how much their partnership has come on. Bart's a um, very promising player who had a good loan spell at Sheffield Wednesday when yeah. they were in League One when they got promoted. He needs to sort out the spelling of his name, though. Well, he, on Twitter, he does he does very much state he, he does give you guidance. Oh, as to does how he? To, as okay. how to phonetically. I don't follow um, him, unfortunately. Um, pronounce his name I, which is help for me because I yeah. was when he was at Sheffield I kept calling him Bath um, but yeah fantastic young player really promising for them and, and they've come good at the right time haven't they but Brentford after that massive mm. run
1: well, I t- they lost I, and now they've drawn 0-0 Carlyle look how competitive it is at the top there because uh, um, Orient were unbeaten in 11 they lost one game they dropped out of the top two Brentford have gone 19 games unbeaten they've not won in two games and they're out of the top two and if you look below them uh, Preston 12 games without defeat and you've got Rotherham I think 9 games without defeat won 6-0 against Notts County
0: they all just keep on winning Brentford with the inexperienced managers perhaps something I that might be a concern when you've got people like Simon Grayson and and Kenny Jackets that can Steer them through. what is it's going to be a very nervous time for the players. So perhaps, I mean, let's be honest. I think probably the top, well, you certainly the top five will now be guaranteed to be there. Come you know, 46 <laughs> yeah. games, but it's just a shuffle I, of where. It's not a be bad play. point that you make. You, you know, there are some
3: really experienced managers in that top six. You know, Mark Warburton is the odd one out there as far as that's concerned. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. Um, he's done very well, and he's very highly thought of. You know, within the game in terms of his coaching experience. Um, he, was, he was working in the city about 14 or so <laughs> years ago I believe he took, you know, took, took the decision to, to leave a very highly paid job in the city to become a football coach and has you know, paid dividends but they have got two games in hand crucially on Leighton Orange, who are above them and they're only three points behind them so if they you know, they get some points out of that they'll be back in the top two
1: Peterborough lost one nil at Crawley on Saturday but they're still pretty comfortable in that final playoff spot Sheffield United into the top half unbelievable turnaround seven wins in a row in all competitions going into that quarterfinal uh, the weekend uh, down at the bottom though uh, Stevenage and Bristol City the big winners uh, Bristol City beat Gillingham 2-1 as uh, Stevenage came back from 2-1 down to win at Bradford and two goals two brilliant goals from Luke Freeman who's a player you've sung the praises of many times
3: yeah I haven't heard too much from him this season obviously <coughs> Stevenage is being right down at the bottom of the league. I don't know whether he's been uh, struggling in a poor team or whether he's been dragged down with it and not been too good himself, but he certainly does have a lot of talent. And a few times I've seen him. I've watched Stevenage a couple of times live over the last few years. Got a friend of mine who's a, who's a Stevenage fan, and you can tell that he's you know come through at a higher level. He did, he did play for Arsenal as a youngster, and he does have that touch of class about him. You know when he has his day.
1: Notts County bottom, and uh, now uh, they've shipped 22 goals in their last six games. Uh, six defeats yeah. in that run. Lost six nil on Saturday. A couple of dreadful goals they gave away as well. And I heard an interview uh, I think with uh, Radio Nottingham uh, that um, Sean Derry did afterwards, and he was adamant we are going to get out of this. We're going to we're going to get out of this, um, but it doesn't look like that way at the moment, does it? <laughs> I
0: mean, it looks like the teams are down there almost to stay now. The team that obviously pulled away was Sheffield United, and look where they are now. So it really... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's idiotic to suggest which teams will go down because it's still very tight, but mm. you really expect any of these teams to come on a run. We thought Notts County would it's have gone... Go to to the wire, Seven it, or eight think? games ago, and now they've sunk back. And it's yeah, the game, isn't it, long as well? Term. The
3: uneven games. Yeah. Shrewsbury and Stevenage have played two games less than Notts County and Crew and Bristol City. Colchester have only played 31 games up in 19 points. So once those games are played out, depending on which way they go, then you get a truer picture of what's going to happen. But it's worrying for Notts County fans because there was a little bit of a resurgence, wasn't there, after the first few weeks when uh, Sean Derry came in, but it's disappeared now. I don't know whether that, you know... Is it to do with the managers, or has he just got nothing to work with? You know, it was obviously a tough job going in there, and it's a very—it was a big risk taking taking Sean Derry on. I know he's got Greg
0: Abbott with him there alongside him, but um, it's not worked out that well so far. And of course, if Crawley do win all their games that are left in hand, they'll uh, go up to seventh at the moment, as it stands. <laughs> their first home game in two months, apparently.
1: Yeah. Mm, that win over Peterborough. Well, unless there's a goal in the next ten seconds, uh, Chesterfield are uh, going to draw 0-0 with Portsmouth on Monday night, as we record. The uh, game's just about to end, uh, so they uh, stay top. Just. Pompey. yeah just below them Scunthorpe, a second uh, they kept up their unbeaten run but they were held 2-0 well at Newport Rochdale flying 3-0 win over Oxford at Scotland. Uh, hat-trick from Scott Hogan he's got two hat-tricks in a few weeks now big S- win. 16 goals this season and Oxford's had one of the best away records in the Football League very big win and on Friday El Clasico at Gig Lane Bury versus Rochdale Sky Sports 2 at 7.30 Hill against Flitcroft and you said there's quite a good thing in the Football yeah, League the paper, Football League about
3: paper it. there's a nice little piece <clears throat> on the pair of them just talking about Their relationship, and obviously they worked together for many years at Rochdale previously before Flickcroft um, took over at Barnsley after um, after Hill was sacked. And just talking a little bit about their sort of personal relationship away from football as well, they 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 talk about each other like their brothers really, Um, (laughs) so it's quite interesting. And, And and Hill actually says. Quite an interesting. Line was that he'd happily work under Flickcroft in the future as an assistant. Interesting. At some point. So interesting. Wonder if that ever happens. Well, uh,
1: but not at the moment because they're both flying. Yes. Well, we lost at the weekend, but yes. <laughs> looking forward to Friday anyway. We'll see how it goes. Um, two goals from Billy Key helped Burton beat Accrington two one. They're in fourth now. Fleetwood having a bit of a wobble below them. Three games without a goal, just one point from nine. And as I mentioned earlier, Southend nine games without a win, pretty much since we had Chris Phillips All on this show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, down at the bottom, um, Northampton. Although they didn't win on Saturday, they're looking good under Chris Wilder uh, they've won a, f- a couple of games at home they've gone on a little uh, unbeaten run Torquay, the team though you're worrying about now they're getting uh, cut adrift at the bottom there they lost again at the weekend 3-0 at Hartlepool, 7 points from safety uh, Jim Proudfoot when we had him on the show earlier in the season wasn't too confident of them staying up they've changed the manager and uh, not much has changed unfortunately
0: no, so, 7
3: points adrift at this stage of the season not good. Minus 20 goal difference as well, which is almost an extra point when you look at Ayrton minus eight, Wickham minus four. Wickham had you know, that terrible run, didn't they? But uh, there's still uh, a reasonable enough cushion for them to not lose too much sleep. And it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't even look that good for Northampton, really, even though you said they've been on a good little run.
0: I suppose another win and they're, and they're right up there. But um, you know, you'd be worried, wouldn't you? You have to think about. Uh, I've mentioned it already. About momentum is a point in the season. Northampton do pick up a couple. And it's a big if because they've been yeah, no, pretty I think But you it's look at, only four points. I think they have got obviously you've got much more of a chance. You look at the huge group above them of teams on thirty nine, one thirty eight and thirty seven. But one that you know, perhaps you do want to just pay attention to is Morecambe on forty, who haven't won in God knows how long. And are going to start sinking like stone. It happens with teams in this division. Teams do drop. Now you haven't got the, you know, the money to go out and splash out on players or you know, bring in loan players and what have you. People don't want to go there, and so I mean, oh, they the, are... the pies though. They want to go there. They have got the best pies I in mean, the country. They are sad 15th, and hey, one victory will no doubt mean that uh, you know my you know, musings <laughs> here are completely worthless. But it's just worth considering.
1: Uh, FA Cup quarter-final send at the weekend. Uh, quick predictions: Sheffield United against Charlton and Manchester City against Wigan. I think
3: Wigan. Wigan. Will, I don't think they'll be. We'll see a repeat of last season's heroics at yeah. Wembley. I think. I think Man City will overcome Wigan. I don't think it'll be an easy game, but um, Charlton Sheffield United. I think I'm going to back Sheffield United again. I think okay. in this one. Yeah, Carl <sighs> Yeah, I'd say Sheffield United. I think I mean, they've got less to lose, haven't they? I think that their their seasons. You know, just in running to a mid-table finish in, in League One. The Cup is, is right there for them. They're on a fantastic run of form. Charlton really, you know, they've enjoyed the Cup run and it's probably have given them a bit of a new lease of life. But they really need to get back to that, that league and win those three games in hand that they've got. Uh, and focus on staying in the championship. And I, I think perhaps that might be on the mind of the players. I might be wrong, but she I think Sheffield
0: United being at home, I think will probably help as well. they have a full house there as well. Yeah, the lane. They won't be playing on that terrible pitch down at the valley. I did, I did love the scenes,
3: though, in the in the game against Sheffield Wednesday when Charlton won um, at the end, when Chris, Chris Powell, Powell ran over to the crossbar and just Brilliant. pulled himself up. You could see how much it meant to him. Uh, and there has still been little murmurings that, as a result of the takeover that he could potentially lose his job in the summer I think he's out of contract along with a number of players in the summer and I'd be desperately disappointed for him if that was the case
1: because I think he's a good man and he you know, he clearly loves the club Right, that is pretty much it uh, Thank you very much for listening to get in touch on Twitter It is at Waggy Podcast The Sanclo page is soundcloud.com slash Waggy Podcast and the blogs and the website are wearegoingup.co.uk and if you'd like to download a free audiobook of your choosing all thanks to Audible you've got 100000 to uh, pick from uh, plenty of uh, really good sports stuff on there, all you need to do is go to Audible.co.uk slash going up and take advantage of the offer there. Right, that is pretty much it. Thank you, DC. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for having me. And we need to uh we need to make it our ambition to go and see Corn FC, don't (laughs) we, at some point this season.
0: (laughs) Or what was the team they beat in the extra it's hard to say preliminary, isn't it? Very hard. The preliminary
1: round for the preliminary round.
3: There you go. What would be the I'm trying to think trying to come up with the equivalent, the like non-vegetarian equivalent of corn <laughs> in terms of foot walls wall sole, walls
1: end get really in touch work, with any suggestions <laughs> I think we'll knock it on the head there uh, we'll speak to you in seven days time this is the we are going up podcast we've got the football league
4: covered <laughs>